Today's guest is Valerie Gamble, Produce Safety Program Manager in the Food and Feed Safety Division with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Quite frequently, we don't always think about produce as being part of the food safety chain. And today I've asked Valerie to join us so we can talk about why food safety is really important in that arena and some of the experience she has had. Valerie, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Valerie. So, Valerie, talk about why food safety is important. So, I tend to think about this at the most basic level, which is really founded in the truth that everyone eats food. And, you know, whether we're talking about Minnesota, the United States, or around the world, food is kind of a universal requirement, just like water and air are requirements. So I strongly believe that basic needs such as food should be safe and healthy for everyone, which is why I think food safety work is critically important. If it's something we all need, then it it should be something that people shouldn't have to worry about when they're eating it or when they're providing it to their families, friends, et cetera. And go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say when I've um, been working over the years in different spaces, um, that's been kind of a a uniting space or a starting point for a conversation about food safety because pretty much everyone I've talked to, whether they're a food business owner, now most recently a produce farmer, if they're a distributor, a vendor, everyone shares that that belief that you know food is really important to us because we all eat it and therefore it should be safe. So sometimes, um, especially recently, produce seems to be kind of often in the news. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so how is food safety as it applies to produce, especially with consumers being more aware, how, um, how do you change the way you keep people informed? Well, I think... I mean, I think the level of information available today has definitely impacted food safety work, and we're definitely seeing that in produce. Um, You know, it may be that consumers have always asked questions about it, but the ability to share those questions and get food safety information has has really increased. And it's an interesting conversation for us as we're going out to produce farms now. Um, the produce farms in Minnesota, for the most part, sell very locally. So their perspective on that may be different than someone who's selling at a, a more regional or even national level. And their perspective is also going to be different from a consumer's perspective. So it's an interesting balance. And I think what my, my biggest takeaway is at this point is to just be as transparent as possible and to share as much information as possible with consumers and also the produce farmers so they know kind of uh, where we're coming from and they know what we're telling the consumers. And so that, you know, when they say no one has ever come back to us and said our produce has made them sick, you know, we can we can have a conversation about that and, and what that might mean or why consumers may not even know uh, that, that they have something that they would need to bring back to the farm. 
So it's kind of a difficult balance because if there's some kind of outbreak, it often has a ripple effect through the whole industry. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yep. And I, I would say the produce farmers that we talk to understand that really well. And that's, that's actually been a good talking point for us. You know, they're, it's easier for them to understand the importance of produce safety for everyone because they've seen the impacts of an outbreak that's linked to, you know, maybe one of the crops that they grow, even if they had nothing to do with the outbreak, just because of the level of information that consumers are getting today. And so they're applying it to everyone and not, not understanding that the, the food source may not be the same and what they're mm-hmm. actually eating may be safe. Right. And we have seen we have seen some interesting marketing strategies for some of our, our local farms that sell, you know, just within a kind of a seven county area with with some of the bigger outbreaks that have been in the news within the last couple of years, they actually are are really picking up on that fact and saying, like, this is grown here. We are not linked to this. I mean they're they're being very clear about their messaging on that. And, you know, whether that's this was before we had started produce safety rule inspection, so that changes the game again and you know gives them something else to to talk about. But the companies are definitely looking at that as well and what what that can mean. The fact that consumers are getting this information so much more readily. And so that the two points you just made really nod to why it's so important to meet consumers where they are and have them to be part of your food safety program? I, I would say absolutely. I mean, I think it's important to try and meet everyone where they are, whether they're a consumer, another business owner, an employee. I mean, consumers are going to have pretty varied backgrounds and levels of experience and knowledge just, just as regulators do and, and business owners. And those varied perspectives are valuable and something that know I really respect because they're different than my perspective and I think I think farms are really starting to think through that a little bit more maybe they've already always thought through it but now we're starting to see it a little more obviously like with the example of you know a, a company that was really marketing on on the fact that they weren't associated with an outbreak um, it was it was pretty blunt but they knew that their consumers that their their main buyers were seeing all of that information and so they were trying to meet them with that and say we know you're seeing this and we understand that it's it's scary and we're trying to present our product in a way that will lessen that fear a little bit well and it can really wipe out a whole industry if if there's an outbreak that isn't um it's it becomes national when it's really only regional or the food chain is very, very clearly one way and some people are not impacted, but it's painted with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you do um, produce safety work in Minnesota, um, what, what kind of things have you done and, and what are what are you most proud of as you've developed the program? I think 
I mean, just in general, building the produce safety program here, I mean, that we didn't have one before. So I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we, we have a functioning program now. We've, we're completing inspections. We're doing on-farm readiness reviews. But uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm working with a really wonderful team, and everyone is dedicated to the idea of, of a highly responsive program. And that, that was basically the framework. And I'm, I'm really proud of that framework, having this responsiveness built into the program from our strategic planning, implementation of projects, you know, development of, of different pieces of the program. We're continually challenging each other to make sure that we're being as responsive as possible to stakeholders in every area. And that's, it's a little bit different than how some of our other programs were operating and that's, they, they were existing programs, they're up and running already. So we were basically just trying something new. So I'm, I'm, I was happy to be able to, to be a part of something that's new, but responsiveness for me means that we're actually really trying to meet people where they are, listening to them actively, understanding what the barriers are that they're seeing and experiencing, and then working with them to implement change while we're continuing to question all of our decisions thoughtfully, again, with, with the input of stakeholders. And we've really, like I said, that was kind of the framework and we've really carried that through. And I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've, we've, been, we've been able to carry that through and continue to see it play out. And I'm sure your producers are loving the fact that you are listening to what their concerns are um, so that they're... I'm assuming they're more inclined to want to partner with you. From from the conversations that, that I've been a part of with farms, yes. I think there are some interesting challenges and issues that have been brought up since we started inspections that are different than the challenges that were presented to us from stakeholders before we started inspections. So this has been the summer has been really good for gathering even more stakeholder input, and by stakeholders in this situation, I mean the actual farms, which is, has been, <laughs> it's been really valuable. And the farms that will kind of meet us where we are and, and you know, acknowledge that we're there listening um, have given us some very useful information about their perceptions and their needs. And, and yeah, when, when we're both in that Space, they definitely they definitely are appreciative of that so you've really shifted the paradigm in a sense I would say that we're working towards it maybe okay <laughs> we're, there, there's we're al- there's always room for continuing to grow but but Absolutely. But, but you took a different approach than most of the programs that the state had already been executing is that fair with the responsiveness? I, yeah, I believe so. I mean, we, we did set up a stakeholder advisory group specifically for produce, which is not something that we have with any of our other programs. And we've seen a lot of success come out of that, that now we're talking about how to try and integrate that into the other programs. So we're trying to take the lessons learned from this and apply it to the other ones, just because it, it provides that space for listening and responsiveness with the organizations that support in our case, farms, but 
for other, you know, manu manufactured foods, it would be the manufacturers and retail, obviously the, the retail organizations. So we're looking at how that might work for some of our other programs because it, that, that piece in particular has been really successful for us. So um, what would you tell AFTO members? I mean, is that what you tell them about your approach that they should learn from? That, that getting people involved and being, um, being responsive was key to your success? I would say yes. And if I was going to kind of take that up well, just one level, I would say that mm -hmm. intentional structured outreach is, is very doable. And I would say that it's an essential part of any regulatory program. And I feel like we've kind of demonstrated that with our, our produce development work here. And that's, you know, I can only speak to Minnesota. That's definitely not traditionally been a foundational part of our programs, having very intentional structured outreach. But I think it needs to be. And that's, that's really in order for us to understand the challenges that actually lead people to have food safety violations. Because if we, if we don't do that outreach, if we're not out actually listening, we won't know why we're seeing what we're seeing. And then we're making assumptions, which can be kind of dangerous. So I think I would highly recommend working with a formalized group of stakeholders, like, like we've had with our advisory group. That's been valuable for us. It's allowed an ongoing conversation and it's, it's fed into other aspects of our program and even to the level of writing position descriptions and hiring notices to, to try and bring in perspectives that they said they felt would be you know, really valuable. Interesting. Well, if, if you had a crystal ball, what would you say about the future of food safety? Um, what do you see as the, the challenges, especially for the program that you oversee in Minnesota, but just in general as well? I think that's kind of a tough question. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I would say food safety space probably will continue to become even more transparent and accessible. So continuing to come up with creative solutions to make sure all groups and populations feel that they have the same level of access to knowledge, assistance, and resources is probably critical. Uh, you know, going back to what I would recommend, I, I do believe that food safety regulation starts with outreach and it needs to be part of the compliance process. So I think, I think in the future, that's something that we're going to have to be a little bit more intentional about, at least here in Minnesota. And that mainly just to, to allow for change to actually be successful because it, change is only successful, I think, when it, need, when it takes place at, at all levels. So it, it can't just be a change that we make. It needs to be a change that our regulated businesses make because they see the value in it. Yes. Is there anything I didn't ask you today that you wish I had? I can't think of anything. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I think the one thing that I appreciate is the fact that 
you're, you're talking about a program that really was fairly new and um, mm-hmm. is new and you, you kind of had a blank slate. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of the people who are listening might not have that ability to start from scratch, but I think you've done a great job of, of telling us how they might um, implement what you've done from scratch in what they're already doing. It's never too late to make a change is what I think you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that I really appreciate about our division and actually our agency as a whole right now is that there's a strong focus on learning from other programs and it's really supported. So I feel like we have the space to try some new approaches and then be thoughtful about evaluating them and then sharing them in a way that would be useful to other programs or divisions, depending on what level we're talking about. So I feel like that's definitely supported and it's, and it is doable to pull in pieces rather than starting over, which obviously isn't going to be an option in most cases. Right. Well, and you don't want to waste what did work, I'm sure, as well, um, going forward. But if if people can apply what the, what you've learned um, to what they're doing, that that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, in I one thing I wanted to ask is so when I think of Minnesota, I don't necessarily think about a lot beyond corn and soybeans and wheat. Um, is there a fairly diverse produce produce um, program community in Minnesota? There is, yes. And it's, it's funny that you say that because that's actually one of the, the very useful messages that I've been hearing from the produce growers this summer is that the perception of Minnesota is corn and soybeans and basically they're not seen. The the produce growers that are here are not seen. Um, So that's something that we're, that that was was kind of a good piece to know about. And we're, we're looking into that within our program. Um, But so we have a, a pretty wide range of things that will grow in. Like our cutoff is, is that we can't have anything that will, not make it through a winter that gets down to negative 20, negative 30. So right. uh, within the vegetable group, I mean, things that are planted in the summer, we've got pretty much everything. Uh, and we do have indoor growers that, that do year-round tomato and uh, greens. And then uh, mushrooms. We have a bunch of people that do mushrooms indoors. We have a lot of hydroponics and aquaponics producers. And then we also have apples that's our big for crop mainly because that's that's the one that does really well here although as we've discovered doing our farm inventory we have people that are growing cold hardy apricots um, we do have a lot of people that do strawberries raspberries blueberries and then uh there's a new i'm trying to think of the name honeyberries there's this new honeyberry that is uh, we're starting to see more of here so it's a, it's a wider range than I think any of us anticipated, which has been really fun to see. Well, and it's, it sounds to me like you have a, a much more diverse 
program than many of us would think about. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so your, your lessons have even more value because you are running across the gamut, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, well, Valerie, yeah. I really appreciate your taking time to visit with me today. Um, food sef- safety education is so important, and the program you're running in um, Minnesota is sounds like it has already made great strides, and it sounds like it's bringing some people who might feel that they weren't, um, if you will, recognized to the forefront so they can be the partners they want to be in keeping the food supply safe in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely our goal. Well, Valerie, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you very much. I okay. appreciate it. Thanks, Valerie.